Hi, and welcome to this week's LGBT Wellness Podcast. Each week, LGBT HealthLink, a program of Centerlink, brings you a roundup of some of the biggest LGBTQ wellness stories from the past week. Get ready to listen and learn lots. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another week of our LGBT Wellness Roundup. As always, if any of the stories are of interest to you and you'd like to read more about them, you can go over to blog.lgbthealthlink.org to find uh, the links to all of today's stories. So anyway, let's jump in with our first story of the week, how COVID-19 affects our communities. Obviously, uh, coronavirus is the top public health concern on everyone's mind and the biggest public health story we've had in many, many years. Um, and of course, this is something that's impacting everyone, but there are special considerations for LGBT folks that I wanted to start um, out this week's podcast by talking about. The Milwaukee LGBT Community Center published a great guide um, on why uh, LGBT people are at particular risk for COVID-19, also known as uh, coronavirus infection. And this includes pre-existing uh, conditions that affect our health, um, including HIV rates, um, which, you know, for folks who are um, immunocompromised, um, they are especially susceptible to COVID-19 infection, as well as tobacco rates, which is something that people aren't necessarily thinking about first in their minds, but the LGBT community has been targeted uh, with smoking, um, you know, outreach by tobacco companies trying to get LGBTQ people to smoke, uh, and we've had higher rates for decades. And that means, um, you know, that a respiratory illness like COVID-19 is going to disproportionately impact LGBT folks. So that's, um, you know, a really important thing to keep in mind. They also, this, you know, this post has links for how people can make sure that they're getting uh, the healthcare that they need, including finding LGBT competent providers, which is really important. And I think this is just a great example of how LGBT community centers are helping out um, in this time of great need for us all. Uh, and, you know, they're there's a lot of shutdowns of community spaces that are happening, um, especially, you know, in, in areas that are particularly affected. So some of these centers may have to close their doors, but they're still providing uh, information that people need. So if you want support in your local area, um, I'd encourage you to go to lgbtcenters.org. That's the website for Centerlink, um, the, the parent of LGBT HealthLink. Um, and find a community center near you where you can get information on local resources. Okay, with that out of the way, there's a lot of other news to get to and a lot of um, great stories this week, including some hopeful and positive stories. So let's jump into that with our next piece, Bi Health Awareness Month in Full Bloom. The Bisexual Plus Resource Center launched the 7th Annual Bisexual Health Awareness Month, which uses March to help educate the public on the oft-overlooked needs of the Bisexual Plus community. Resources for this year include a social media toolkit with lots of helpful talking points, as well as a collection of media coverage of the event um, and a link to a collection of stats and reports from Movement Advancement Project uh, on the BiPlus community. Some of these um, resources are really helpful for thinking and talking about bi health. For example, more than half of the LGBT community identifies as bisexual. 
that's huge. And that's something that we don't often think about or talk about in the community. Um, this is a huge, largely invisibilized part of our community. And so their health needs are invisibilized too, which makes something like Buy Health Month all the more important and equally important in this time when so much attention is focused, rightfully so, on COVID-19. We can't forget about, you know, the populations within our community who are most at risk to get overlooked and to not get the care that they need. Next up, as promised, we have a positive story, patient cured of HIV revealed. The New York Times reported on the self-identification of only the second person known to be cured of HIV. He was previously known in the media as the London patient. You may remember hearing about his story last March. Adam Castillejo was cured of HIV when a bone marrow transplant happened to contain a mutation that transformed his immune system and wiped out the virus. He decided to publicly share his story uh, now as his doctors grow in confidence that he's cured for good. Um, you know, it's been a while and the, the HIV um, infection has not reappeared. So he decided to come forward and share his story and put a face and a name to, you know, what we previously just referred to as London patient. So definitely a great story, probably bringing a lot of hope to people for a cure for HIV. Next up, advancing research on LGBT health. A new study led by Ilan Meyer tackled one of the most persistent problems in LGBT health advocacy, limited data and studies on the community. Researchers used a two-step approach to create a large probability sample of sexual minority adults who completed an online survey, a process that could be replicated to study many aspects of LGBT health. While no census data exists on LGBT populations, the team used uh, Gallup polling on how many U.S. adults identify as sexual minorities to build a representative sample. So this is, um, you know, a great example of how our methods on measuring LGBT health are advancing. Um, and frankly, you know, the, the excuse about not being able to conduct research on LGBT health, not being able to include us in research and studies. Um, those excuses are kind of running out as we learn more about how to get a good sample um, that can measure our health, even without having, you know, national um, data, you know, like census data to show exactly how many LGBT folks there are, um, where we are, and who we are. We can still do this research. Next up, the Importance of Doctors Coming Out The American Academy of Family Physicians published an op-ed on the importance of LGBT physicians self-identifying, starting with those who lead and teach at medical schools and training hospitals, to help change the culture from the top. The author also explored the importance of banning employment-based discrimination to help make it safe for LGBT health professionals to come out at work. You may recall a few weeks ago on the podcast, I covered a story um, that found greater rates of um, inappropriate, you know, actions or mistreatment towards LGBT folks in medical school. This isn't, you know, really reaffirming the importance of having um, an open, visible community. And it is important that that starts with the people who, you know, have the most power in the system to be able to come out and show that there are LGBT folks in the profession at every level. Now our next story, Conducting an Inclusive Sexual History. JAMA Internal Medicine published a letter to the editor from Megan O'Brien on how providers can collect a sexual history of a patient in a way that is sex positive and gender neutral. 
For example, the author talks about forgoing binary language, for example, asking patients if they have sex with men, women, or both, which is a very common question in uh, the conducting of sexual histories, and instead to use open-ended questions. So for example, you could start out by asking, you know, what kind of sex do you have? And letting the, the person taking the assessment ask more specific follow-up questions later on, but starting out with that kind of open-ended response that doesn't rely on, you know, looking at gender in a binary way, for example. And now our final story of the week, HIV's impact on women and girls. The CDC marked March 10th as National Women and Girls HIV Awareness Day. They note that any woman, regardless of sexual orientation, and I would add sex assigned at birth, can contract HIV, and they noted that African American women face a disparate impact of the epidemic. They also say that prevention strategies such as HIV testing and PrEP should be more thoroughly implemented into spaces where women receive healthcare. That does it for another week of our LGBT Wellness Roundup. As always, you can head to blog.lgbthealthlink.org to find a written version of the Roundup with the links to all the stories. Stay safe out there, and I hope that you'll tune in next week for another edition of the podcast.